Now, if you open up your Bibles in Numbers chapter 16, Numbers chapter 16, I think sometimes in our churches we, we lose the urgency to get the gospel around the world. I think sometimes we lose the urgency just to see the, the lost reach with the gospel. We lose the urgency to go out and win souls. We lose the urgency just to tell our friends and our families and our co-workers the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And here in Numbers chapter 16, there's a story that I think helps illustrate the urgency that we ought to have as believers. What's going on here in Numbers chapter 16, in the beginning of the chapter, there's a man who rebels against God, and he, he convinces other people to go with him to rebel against God, and they influence more people to rebel against God, and eventually all the congregation of Israel is rebelling against God. And God's going to pour out His wrath upon them. But God spares the congregation of Israel. And you think Israel would be thankful for God's mercy for sparing them. But instead of being thankful, they start complaining. And God's wrath is going to come and be poured out upon them once again. But that's where we pick up right in verse 41. The Bible says, But on the morrow all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that's the congregation of Israel, they were gathered against Aaron and Moses, God's choice servants, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation. And behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for another day to be able to stand and preach your word in health. Lord, for another day of life, Lord, where I can serve you. Yes. And Lord, I pray for this moment right now, Lord, that you'll work in the hearts of your people. Lord, that we can be convicted of the urgency to see the lost reach with the gospel. Lord, that we won't waste our life on other things, Lord, but we'll use our lives for your will. That will be reserved for your use. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, tonight, they will come to know you. And that you'll receive all the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So you see here in Numbers chapter 16, the people, the congregation of Israel rebels against God. And God's angry and he's upset because of that. And he, he looks at Moses and Aaron there in verse 44. And he says to Moses, he says, get you up from among this congregation. Because what reason? He says that I may consume them as in a moment. And so God just looks at Moses and Aaron, and he says, you guys get up and you get out of the way. I'm about to pour my wrath out upon the congregation of Israel. 
And as soon as Moses and Aaron, as soon as they hear this information, as soon as they hear this command from God, as soon as God speaks to them, what is their instant response? The Bible says that they fell upon their faces. I want you to think about that for a moment. When you fall on your face, it's a, it's a, it's a position of prayer, position of humility. And I imagine they're going to God and they're begging God for mercy for their people. But why was that their instant response? As I sat there and thought about that for a minute, I said as soon as they heard this information, they, they, they didn't argue with God. They didn't doubt God. And I realized that they instantly fell on their face because Moses and Aaron took God at His word. They believed that when God said something, God was going to do it. They didn't look and say, okay, maybe God didn't really mean this. Maybe He meant something else. They didn't try to retranslate it into something nicer. They understood that when God spoke, God spoke. Amen? And many times in our churches, we want to look at the harder parts of the verses and harder parts of the truth and say, we're not really sure about this. We're not really sure about that. Because the conviction is a little too heavy for us. And we've got to understand that when the Bible says, no man comes unto the Father but by me, that he means no man comes unto the Father but by me. He's speaking clearly. And he says, just like this, as, as they received the news that their people were going to receive the wrath of God, that the world around us, if they don't know Christ and if they die in their sins, they are going to equally receive the wrath of God. That if a person dies in their sins and doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be eternally separated from Him. They're going to die and go to hell. We don't like to think about that truth. We like to take that and set it off to the side. But Moses and Aaron, when they heard the truth of the destruction of their people, they fell on their face and they're begging God for mercy. When you and I, when we think about the lost in our family, what's our response? When we think about our coworkers, what is our response? When we look at the command that He's given us to reach the world and we look at the map in the back, what is our response? The country of China has 1.4 billion people. The current death rate in the country of China is right around 20,000 people a day. That's 7 million people a year. There's 10 million people in the state of Georgia. Every year and a half in the country of China, the population of this state dies in the country of China. And you say, Mark, why do you tell us those numbers? Those stats are too big for us to comprehend. That's just, the, the news is just too overwhelming. Because if you look in the passage, the news that Moses and Aaron got is overwhelming news. All of the congregation of Israel is going to be consumed as in a moment, said by God Himself. And Moses and Aaron did the only thing they knew they could. They fell on their face before God. And when you and I, when we think about that news and we look at the world, you got to look at the world today and you got to realize that there's countries on this map that you probably haven't even heard of. There's people all around the world who are yet to hear Christ. If we ought to take a moment and look at the different countries, we're going to realize something. That God loves them. 
and you look at the different populations that not only China has a billion, 1.4 billion people, there's 7 billion people on our earth. And you say, man, I can barely give the gospel out here. What can we do to make a difference there? But we know the truth and we believe the truth that we've been given the command to reach the gospel, the world with the gospel. And we know if they die in their sins, they're going to be separated from God. What can we do? It seems so overwhelming. We can get on our face before God. And we can pray. We can beg God for mercy. And we know that He's told us to pray for laborers, that God will send forth laborers. And so we can look at Ethiopia, and we can look at India, and we can look at Iran, and we can look at China, Mongolia, and Russia, and we can pray for God to have mercy and to send forth laborers around the world. We get on our face and we beg God for mercy. And that's the first step. That's the foundation. You want to see God work, you've got to spend time in prayer, and we've got to know that it's God that is in control. And at the same time, we've got to understand that if all the churches in America spent the next year praying and nobody ever went out and witnessed anybody, nobody would get saved. Romans 10 is very clear. Faith comes by what? And hearing by what? The Word of God. And so there's a place and a time to get on our knees before God and beg God to send forth laborers around the world and to reach those places who have yet to receive the gospel. And there's a time to get up on our, off of our knees and to take action. Look in the story. If Moses and Aaron stayed on their knees and stayed on their face before God, their people would be consumed. It's the first step, but it's not the only step. Sometimes we forget that. We pray for the lost, but we don't go to the lost. And Moses and Aaron, they knew that they had to take action. Look in verse 46. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord, the plague is begun. So imagine this in your mind, if you can see it playing out. The wrath is coming through the congregation of Israel, and as it's moving through, people are literally losing their lives. And Moses and Aaron, they remember something. They remember that if there's an atonement made, it's going to appease the wrath of God. So yes, they fall on their face before God, but then they get up and say, we need to take action. We need to go make that atonement. And Moses looks at Aaron, he says, Aaron, Go get the incense and go get the censer and go get the fire. Get everything you need and get as quickly as possible and run to the congregation and make that atonement so that their lives can be spared for that day. And when you and I look around the world, we realize that they're sick in sin. But you also realize that you have the cure. You have the medicine. You have what they need to be saved from their sin. We also realize that, that God's wrath is going to be poured out upon them. But we also know that they need an atonement. Now in the story, Aaron has to run and he has to make the atonement. But listen, friends, you and I, we don't have to make any atonement. Everything a person needs to be restored and reconciled unto God has already been accomplished in Jesus Christ. Amen? So the only thing that needs to be done, the only job that's left to be done, the action that we have to take 
is to proclaim Christ high and lifted up. And we go into the, the darkest corners of the world, and you can go into any language in the world, and you go into any country in the world, and you hold Jesus high and lifted up, and people will get saved. Amen. He says they need an atonement too. But the atonement has already been made. And in the story, when that atonement was made, their life is going to be spared, but it's spared for that day. When we tell them the news of the atonement of Jesus Christ, their life will be spared for all eternity, amen? Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you and I can't live. And then he willingly died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And three days later, he rose again from the dead so that we could be justified. It is finished. The job for us is to proclaim. The job for us is to tell. The job for us is to share, to preach, to go and to inform, to let them know of the atonement that's been made. So imagine in your mind the congregation of Israel. That plague is going through. And they're losing their lives. And imagine the world going by and living their life. That plague is coming through, the plague of sin. And they're dying and going to hell. There's something that can happen to make a difference. And Aaron goes and he makes that atonement. Look what happens here in verse 47. And Aaron took as Moses commanded, and he ran into the midst of the congregation, and behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Where was Aaron? Right in the midst of the problem. He wasn't back there. Moses stayed back there. But he was right there in the midst of the plague. Why? Because he said, i got to make an atonement here so God's wrath is stopped. And if you and I are going to reach the lost, we've got to go right into their midst, right where the plague is, and proclaim the atonement of Jesus so their life can be spared. And listen, he didn't do this flippantly. Moses told him in verse 46, he said, go quickly. And in verse 47, Aaron took as Moses commanded and he ran. The Bible says he ran. I imagine he's going as fast as he can and he runs and he gets there and he makes that atonement. And as soon as it's made, as you can see that plague going through, Aaron runs in and he makes the atonement. The plague is stayed. It stops. And on this side is the living. And this side is the dead. And listen, statistically, yesterday, 20,000 people died in the country of China. I can't do anything to change, make a difference what happened yesterday. But I can do something about tomorrow. I can't do anything about those who have already died and have already gone on, but I can do something about those that are still alive. And you might look and you say, man, it seems overwhelming. What can we do to make a difference? And you look at all the people who have died and may have not heard of Christ, but I'm looking towards the future that when we get back to China, that there's still going to be lots of people alive who still have an opportunity to hear and to believe and to be saved. Amen. And if you'd be honest, you're glad that somebody told you, amen? amen. You're glad somebody shared the gospel with you. You're glad that somebody didn't just say it's too overwhelming, the, the task is too big, the Great Commission, there's just too many lost people, I don't know what we can do, and, and that person just went home and didn't tell anybody. You're glad they told you, They're, you're glad they brought you to church. You're glad you're saved, amen? 
Take that privilege and take that honor. Take the grace that you've been given and pay it forward. And say, God, here's my life. Use me. God, you bless my life with allowing me to know you and help me to have them to know you. God, you've given me the cure for the sickness that I have, and God, now I can give that cure to others. God, help me to do so. Here's my life. And Aaron had an urgency in what he was doing. If you're wondering who you are in the story, you are Aaron. And God's looking at you and saying, go. Proclaim the atonement. Go into the mist. The wrath has already begun. They're already dying in their sins. I need you to go and I need you to proclaim the good news. Yes, you can pray. Yes, fall on your face before me. But then get up and go and take action. Amen. And make a difference in their life. And when he did, he found himself right there in the midst of it. And he saw God work. And he saw lives saved. And if you'll run into the midst of the congregation with the good news of Jesus, you will see life saved. You will see God work. In, the country, in, in China, we, we, on Sunday mornings, we have a kids club. And we do the kids club right before the Sunday morning service. And we do the kids club in English. And the reason we do it in English, it's seen as a kind of a good work in the community. That people are wondering, you know, why would you do this for free? Why would you teach English for free? And we're not really teaching English for free. We're just giving them Bible lessons in English. And uh, they're coming and learning the B-I-B-L-E. And they got to memorize Bible verses and all kinds of things. And, and we do it in English. And the kids have fun. And we have a lot of unbelievers and, and parents and kids that come to that. And then we invite them to come to our Sunday morning service. Sunday morning service is all in Chinese. The preaching, the teaching, the music, everything's in Chinese. And so we had this family or this mom and daughter come to the kids' club, and they stayed for the Chinese service. And afterwards, came and found me and said, said Pastor, we really enjoyed the kids' club. She said, but we didn't really enjoy the service. She said, matter of fact, we just didn't, I didn't really like your preaching. That's always a blessing to hear, amen? <laughs> and she says, I'm Buddhist. And so the things that you were preaching, the things I believe are not the same, so that's why I didn't enjoy it. And I said, okay, fair enough. And she says, but we, my daughter really enjoyed coming to the kids club and then staying for the service to, to play with your daughters and she says so can we keep on coming every week she said but I don't want to participate in the service because can I just sit outside or sit back in the nursery and I thought about it for a minute I'm thinking well if her daughter keeps on coming and hearing the gospel sounds like a good deal to me so okay you can do that and so she started coming and started doing exactly that and uh, a couple weeks go by or months go by I forget the, the time frame there but some time goes by, and I'm thinking, if she's going to do that every single week, then we need to get a camera and a TV and pipe the service back into the nursery, amen? <laughs> so we got a camera and a TV, and we started piping the service back into the nursery. And she comes in and sees what we've done, and she's okay with it because she's not participating in the worship of our God. She's not participating in our service. She can only hear what's going on. But you and I, friends, we know something. When the Word of God is preached, it changes lives, and it softens hearts. And God started working on her heart, and God started softening that heart. And she started coming to our church services and coming to our activities, and me and my wife go to her house and answer her questions. And one day I get a phone call. She says, Pastor? I said, yes. 
She says, I want you to know that I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And she got saved. But her story gets better. Some time goes by. And she meets me at church and she says, I just want to talk to you about something. She says, something weird happened to me when I got saved. I said, okay, tell me about it. You know, you're kind of ready for that. Let's tell me. She says, you know about my divorce? And I said, yeah, I know about it. She says, I had all this bitterness and this hatred and this anger in my heart for my ex-husband. She says, but when I got saved, all that hatred and all that bitterness and all that, that hate, that anger, it went away. She says, it's not in there anymore. And she says, actually, I think I pity him now. I think he did all of those bad things because he doesn't know who Jesus is. And if he knew who Jesus was, he wouldn't do those bad things. So I think he needs to know who Jesus is. So I think you're on to something there. And I want you to think about her story in relation to the story in Numbers chapter 16. If we use this as a pattern to to have that urgency to see the lost reach with the gospel, her step number one is prayer. She has to fall on her face and pray for her ex-husband. And she started praying for her ex-husband. But if we're going to follow this pattern, we know it doesn't stop at prayer, but the next step is to get up and take action. She has to proclaim. And she started witnessing to her ex-husband. One day I get a phone call. She says, Pastor, are you at the church? I said, I am. She says, I've been witnessing to my ex-husband, and I think he's ready to get saved, but I'm not sure I'm saying everything okay. Can I bring him by the church and you guys make sure? I said, no, I'm too busy right now. No, I said, yes, bring him to the church. <laughs> and she brought him to the church, and the Chinese pastor took him and sat him down and led him to Christ. Amen. And he got Amen. saved. Amen. But the story gets better. Because the entire time in the background was a little girl who was born into a Buddhist home, who knew that mom and dad weren't living together, who knew mom worshipped idols, and I'm sure was invited into that worship of false gods. And one day that little girl was brought to a place called a church. And she was put in the children's classes and started hearing about Jesus. And hearing about the great things that he's done. And hearing the stories in the gospel for the first time. And if you teach children here, I want to say thank you to you. Because you're truly making a difference in those children's lives. Right. They're hearing those gospel stories. And that little girl was hearing those stories right there in China. And God was working on that little girl's heart. And all of a sudden, mom comes to church one day and says she believes in Jesus and gets baptized in his name. And goes home and gets rid of all the idols. And every night would pray with her daughter in the name of Jesus. Then all of a sudden, daddy, who doesn't live with mommy, comes to church and he professes Christ. And the whole time, in the, as this was in the foreground, in the background, God's working on this little girl's heart. She's hearing the gospel. She's coming to church. She's being preached to. And a couple weeks later, that little girl put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And she got saved. And right before we came back on furlough, I was able to baptize that little girl and her daddy there on the 25th floor. God is good. Amen. Amen. You say, what can we do to make a difference? When you think about 1.4 billion people, what can we do to truly make a difference? One person at a time. One person at a time. Who do you need to give the gospel to? Who is God laying on your heart that you need to give the gospel to? Who are you convicted about that you need to go share the gospel with? 
if there's nobody that God is laying on your heart, I'm guessing that means you need to go knock on a door and meet somebody, amen? Because you're saying God loves everybody, and I need to share the gospel. I need them to hear. I need them to know I love them because God loves them. And that family would look at you because they've looked at me, and they said, thank you for leaving America and coming and telling us of Jesus. I know you left your family. I know you probably left a good life there. But you came, and because you came, we were able to believe and understand the Bible and be saved. That's what it's about. Amen? Amen. See souls saved. Probably two months or so before we came back on furlough. Didn't really want to come back because things were starting to get really good. For our Sunday morning services, we, we, we started praying for souls to be saved in our services. And we had, I guess, a prayer room that you would call it, and we were praying together. And one of the young men that we were training, his, his, he told me his testimony when he first came to our church. He, he shared his testimony with me. And he was already saved when he came, and he told me, he said, when, as soon as I got saved, I went home and told my dad. And when I told my dad, my dad said, son, we don't do that. That's not the Chinese way. And so you're going to have to choose and right there, being young in the faith, he had to choose what he was going to do. And he said, I had to look at my dad and tell my dad, I guess God's going to have to be my father. And his dad said, you're no longer my son. Kicked him out of the house. Several years go by. He's now in our ministry, and he's training to be a pastor. And his dad gives him a phone call one day and says, son, we're going to come visit you for the Chinese New Year. And Chinese New Year is a huge holiday in China. And basically what that means is, hey, son, we're going to come live with you for a month. Okay, that's what that means. And so we were excited because we thought maybe he'll come to the church, maybe we'll hear the gospel. And he came and he, he got over there and, and he came to church a couple times and we were excited about that. We just had the uh, Ken and Nancy Bloom, they landed on the field and we were helping them with language school and we were trying to find a teacher for them. And it was in the midst of a holiday season, so it was kind of hard to find somebody. And so we asked this young man's dad, we said, would you be interested in, in helping them learn Chinese? And he said, yeah, I got nothing else to do. I'm here for a month, so I'll do it. And so they were studying Chinese four hours a day, five days a week. But what we didn't tell him when he signed up for the job is one of those hours every day was going to be reading the Bible in Chinese. Because he was trained in missionaries. So now we have a Chinese father who rejected his son for believing in Jesus, teaching American missionaries how to say God loves you in Chinese. If that's not a formula for God to do something great, I'm not sure what is. The month goes by. And he's getting ready to go home the next day. And I told this young man, I said, I want to witness to your dad one more time. So I invited him up to the, the, the church and sat him down and said, I just want you to know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he said, yeah, I know. And I just want you to make clear that you know what the Bible says. Because of our sin, we're going to be eternally separated from God. The price for sin is death. He says, yeah, I know. I said, but the good news is that God loves you, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins and take your sins away. He says, yeah, and he rose again from the dead. And I said, yes, and I said, but I said, it's not automatic. I said, you've got to put your faith in Jesus. And he says, yeah, you, you, there's nobody else to believe in. I said, no, 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 I said, you don't understand. I said, you can't just put your faith in Jesus and also keep believing the, the, the Buddhist ways and, and the Chinese ways. You've got to put your faith in Jesus alone. He says, there's none other to believe in. I said, are you ready to receive Christ now? And he said, yes, and he bowed his head, accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he got saved. 
And from that point on, God started a revival in our church. And over the next six weeks, we started seeing people saved in almost every service. And we started seeing people coming for the very first time to church and getting saved. And we saw people that were coming to church for two years and making professions of faith. And every Sunday morning, we were praying and asking God to save one. And he would save one. And then we get the courage and say, God, will you save two? And we started seeing God just start working in people's lives. And we saw that revival over the next six weeks, and God was just working and seeing souls saved. Amen. But there's a sense of urgency that has to be there. You know the truth. You know that people are lost. You know they need the gospel. You know you need to pray. And you know you need to go. The only thing that's left is obedience. People ask me, they say, Mark, how are you so bold to preach the gospel? I always tell people I'm not that bold. I'm very, if you get, me, if you get to know me, I'm actually very timid, and people always think I'm super bold, and, and, and I, they say, well, how can you be so bold? And I try to explain to people, when I go share the gospel, almost every single time I share the gospel, I get nervous. You know that nervous feeling when you go share the gospel, your, your, your brain starts telling you everything you can do to get out of sharing the gospel? You're like, maybe instead of going and telling that guy the gospel, I'll leave a track right here and the person will walk by, knock it off, see it, pick it up, read it, get saved, and become a missionary, right? Like, that's what you're thinking. I don't need to go, I'll just leave that track there and hopefully they'll see it. And I realize that if I preach the gospel one time, two times, ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times, that nervous feeling usually is there each time. Something in me, my pride, myself saying, hey, this is scary, don't go do this. What if they make fun of you? What if you say something wrong? What if you don't know what to say? And you just get that nervous and that kind of that stress feeling and you just don't want to do it, but you know you should do it. And I realized that through sharing the gospel so many times that that feeling usually doesn't go away. And so it's not boldness that you need. I realized that if I was going to share the gospel and I was going to see lives saved, that it wasn't boldness that I needed. It was simply obedience. That in spite of those feelings, I had to say, God, I might be nervous, but I'm going to take that step of faith. And then I realized when you take that step of obedience... If you shared the gospel, you know this. As soon as you open your mouth and you start sharing the gospel, that confidence comes. That boldness comes. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. It starts working in your life, and you start saying things that you didn't even know you were going to say, and you start remembering Bible verses you didn't know that you remembered, and you start sharing the gospel, and you get, you get done sharing the gospel, and you're like, glory to God, I want to do that again. Amen. And you go to share the gospel with the next person, and right when you get to share the gospel with the next person, you're like, oh, man, I'm nervous. I don't know if I can do this. Amen? And you got to say, all right, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to share the gospel. I haven't told you anything new this evening. I just want to ask you, in the story you're Aaron, how are you running? How are you running? There's the congregation of Israel. And the plague has already begun. And they're losing their lives. And they need someone to run to them and proclaim the good news of the atonement. Will you run?
And maybe you have been running, and I know you've been running in our lives through praying and giving for our family. But I want to ask you this evening, could you run a little bit quicker? Thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you for your faithfulness. But may each one of us say, God, help me to run a little bit quicker. God, there's, I see the urgency of the task at hand, and God, help me to run a little bit faster. Faster than I was running. Maybe you tripped and fell down. Maybe you run into some hurdles. Get back up. And by faith, keep on running. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me this evening. And as pastor comes to start the invitation, I just want to ask you this evening, where has God worked in your life? Maybe he's laid somebody on your heart that you need to give the gospel to. I ask you if he's laid somebody on your heart to come to an old-fashioned altar like this and pray for that person by name and make a decision to say, I'm going to give them the gospel. God, by your grace, I will share the gospel with that person. Maybe God's touched your, life, your heart about missions. And I laid the map here on the floor because I want to ask you to come and pray over some of these countries. Maybe you can look at some of these countries you never heard of and just say, God, send forth laborers there. And God, help me, Lord, to, to give and to pray so that more laborers can go around the world. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not sure of your salvation. You've heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. Please don't leave here without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Trust in Him alone. And if all of us will renew our commitment to obey God, we'll continue to see God do many great things, not only in the country of China, not only in Georgia, but all around the world for His glory.